Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We're going to be in the 103rd Psalm, and the title of this lesson is going to be called Count Your Blessings, and that is the overarching theme of Psalm 103. And as we uh, begin to kind of dive into it, we see that um, the psalmist here seems to be observing the world, and as he observes the world and the wide experiences that he finds in the world, he can't help but reflect and praise and ultimately bless God. You know, the author is aware of the frailties of human of human life, but uh, he sees it not with despair. He sees it through the lens of how great God is and how much praise God deserves. And when we get to the first five verses and we begin to read, we see that we are kind of like eavesdroppers, that we are off to the side as the psalmist seems to be having a direct conversation with God and he's praising him and compiling a list of God's mercies. And the first two verses are his instructions. And he says, praise the Lord in his name and do not forget the benefits that he gives. Now, this, this phrase, O oh my soul, occurs only in the Psalms. We find it in Psalm 42, Psalm 43, Psalm 62. And he instructs his soul to wait on or rest in God. Uh, Psalm 104 is very similar, Psalm 103, and how it uses the phrase. And it rounds out the use of this phrase, this idea of the soul is instructed to praise God. The inner man um, is, is, uh, is being uh, revitalized and is pouring out his praise through the outer man or the part of the human being that we see. So as we reflect on this, what benefits do God, does God give us? Well, here's a list. There's a list here compiled of, of, of the 103rd Psalm. And the first is that God forgives sin. And it's not just sin in general, but the psalmist points out that God forgives your sins. And in this case, the writer's own sins. He provides healing from disease in this verse. And it means more than just getting over life's normal aches and pains. It also uh, brings this idea of, of real forgiveness. Life has not always been easy for the psalmist, and life has uh, included what he calls the pit or dire circumstances, circumstances from which there is no place or no hope of escape, kind of brings us to mind this, uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And we can all identify life's, life places many pits across our way and situations that really without God's action and God's encouragement and God's intervening would have ultimately swallowed us up. And God did not merely deliver the psalmist from the pit, and he didn't just dust him off, and he didn't just send him on his way again to the next one. No, God crowned the writer with love and compassion, so he pulls him out of the pit. And he crowns him with love, and he crowns him with compassion. Likewise, that's how God delivers us from the pit. He engages in what we'll use this term, this coronation of sorts. And if we care to see, we cannot miss the love and compassion that God places on us. And that's what sets us apart. That's what puts us as part of God's royal family that really are... Many, many blessings when we take the time to sit and reflect on what those blessings are. It is good when, when life can be more than just uh, mere survival. Oftentimes you ask somebody how they're doing and they say, oh, just getting through. Oh, I'm surviving. And I've been guilty of saying something similar like that myself. But the reality is, is that the goodness of God pours over us all the time through every circumstance. In verse 5, the, the psalmist describes how he is satisfied in God, how satisfying God is. And these are the desires of a person who has gone through deliverance. This is a person who has experienced healing and redemption that's marked by love and compassion. And it's God that satisfies the desires of such a person. And we tend to understand such a life story a bit later in life. We have to sometimes get a little bit of life underneath our belt to understand the realities of God's blessing and persevering through difficult times. And it takes a while to gain such a perspective, but God satisfies and gives strength to enjoy what he has done. He even renews the youth or the strength of such a child of his as we praise God and we bless his holy name. You know, praising God regularly, even daily, is good for spiritual health. It reminds us of who God is and what he's done. There's studies that are being done now that are connecting the scripture, scriptural texts of, 
of let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, or that we will be um, remade as we renew our minds through uh, the spiritual disciplines of God's word and the realities that have how that rewires the, re- the very neural paths within our brain that renews our mind, renews our heart, renews our spirit. Reminds us of who God is and what he's done. It even helps to renew our strength. Praising God is something that we can and should do together. And as a family and as a congregation, we should also spend time praising God just in our own soul. And the reality is not only do we experience physical, emotional, and spiritual benefits, but it also changes the very makeup and person of who we are as we reflect on God. So how do we praise him daily? How do we pour out blessings um, and be grateful for the blessings that God has poured out on us? Well, the psalmist encourages himself to bless the Lord, and that means to speak well of him, to praise God. And how can we keep ourselves mindful of God's blessings? Well, it reminds me of the hymn, Count Your Many Blessings, See What God Has Done. In fact, the writer of that hymn says it will surprise you. It's easy for us when things aren't going well to focus on the negative. I heard many years ago from a pastor who said something of the effect of celebrate the wins. And sometimes you have to look for the wins. You have to celebrate the wins and you have to identify them. And even if it seems like the smallest thing on the planet, by taking the time to celebrate that, it can change your outlook that maybe everything isn't going as bad as I thought it was. But the reality that I have hope and blessing in God on a daily basis. So we praise him for present blessings. We praise him for past blessings. And we also praise him for a future hope that is sure. What are some of those blessings and benefits that God provides for us that we can especially be thankful for? Well, as the psalmist notates for us, we can praise God for the forgiveness of sin, for the eternal life that we have. If this is the case, a spouse or children, a job, daily direction and help, answered prayer. All of these things are things that we can and should be praising God for. So we're going to come back here in just a moment. We're going to jump into verses 6 through 12, but the reminder that believers praise God for his great love and his forgiveness. So welcome back. We uh, were looking earlier at the things that the psalmist was just praising God for his personal goodness to the psalmist as an individual. But now he's uh, turning the, the conversation a little bit to specific observations about God. And he reminds us that God works, and that's a very important word, God works is actively engaged in working righteousness and, just, and justice. There, there's much sorrow and difficulty in the world. I don't think anybody would deny that, but righteousness and just, justice do not just magically show up. God brings these things to pass, and it involves conscious and diligent effort on a truly divine scale, but that's who our God is. When you see righteousness being engaged in the world or you see justice being enacted on the wicked, that is something that God is, a, is actively making, um, making way for. You know, Consider his works with Moses in verses 7 through 10 here in the psalm. God's great mercy to Moses and Israel involved making known his ways. Making known his ways. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? And in other words, there was a learning curve. They didn't know his ways before, and the only way for them to know God's ways was for God to make them aware of it. And this verse aligns God's redemptive deeds in delivering Israel with making known his ways. Do we want to know the ways of God? Then let us look at what he did for ancient Israel. God is saying, the way that Moses and Israel knew my way was I showed it to them and they followed after. Now you and I as believers, we look back at what God has done and we look into what God is doing. We look forward to what God is going to do and we try to know his ways. And by knowing his ways, we follow after them. We might be tempted to focus on deliverance from Egypt through the plagues and crossing the Red Sea, but the psalmist seemed to be thinking about what happened after that deliverance. You know, Israel tested God many, many times, often resulting in righteous acts of judgment upon the people. Yet through those times of failure and rebellion, God showed himself to be compassionate to be gracious, to be slow to anger, and full of love. He doesn't hang on to his anger. 
nor does he lie and wait for us to slip up so he can just bang us over the head and accuse us. In fact, we have an accuser, and it isn't God. Our accuser is Satan. God knows all things. He doesn't have to accuse us. And in knowing who we are deeply, he still offers us salvation through Jesus Christ. We should always remember that sin's a serious thing before God, yet God also abounds in love. He's not the killjoy who cannot wait to catch us. Really, on the contrary, he wants to show his compassion and forgiveness. He wants to help us move past the sin to where we can rejoice in his compassion and grace. He wants us to live that. He wants to delight with us in his favor and mercy. We praise him for being such a merciful and compassionate God. Think about this for a moment. God treats us better than we deserve. That's the aspect of his mercy. God treats us better than we deserve. That's the powerful truth of his grace, that he treats us better than we deserve, just as he did with Moses and ancient Israel. We might look back at the children of Israel all the 40 40 years through the wilderness and think, man, why why, why can't they just get themselves together? Yet we live, many, some of us, many more than 40 years, and we still haven't quite got it all together. And we reflect on the reality that God has his great love and how high he is above us and how far he is from us, yet he has removed our sins and he has separated them as far as the east is from the west. These lines of praise do not pretend that all is right and life is nothing but smooth sailing. And I think anybody listening to the sound of my voice knows that that's not the case. But on the contrary, it recognizes life's difficulties and even our straying from what God wants for us. But that's what makes praise wonderful. It praises God precisely in such circumstances. His mercy and forbearance call forth all the praise that we can muster. So as believers, even in times of struggle, even in times of our own of realizing our own consequence for our own actions, we can still enter into praise to God because of his um, unmatched love that that nothing, the scripture tells us, nothing can separate us from. So we praise God for showing believers grace, and we praise him for showing us grace instead of judgment. So how should we respond to God for forgiving us and giving us grace and mercy rather than justice? Well, we should love him. We obey, not out of servitude, but out of appreciation for what he's done. And why can God forgive and bless sinners and still remain holy and just? Well, the reality is is that Jesus paid the penalty that we deserve. God is just because he took the sins that we were deserving of being punished for, and he placed those things on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And now we can have access to God and praise him for his wonderful love and compassion. Now, we'll come right back to the last section here. We're going to be in verses 13 through 22, and we will be focusing on how believers obey the Lord and bless him because of his compassion. Welcome back to the final section. We're going to be in Psalm 103, verse 13 through 22. And as we've walked through all of the reasons that we have to bless God and praise him for who he is, it reminds us that we also obey the Lord and we bless him because of his compassion. Think about this. The Jehovah God of ancient Israel was not at all like the empty deities that were worshipped by the pagan nations that surrounded Israel. He was the ultimate father. In fact, that's how Jesus opens up the prayer, the model prayer for his disciples. He said, when you pray, pray, Father. He was their father, compassionate for his little ones, as we read in verse 13. The eternal one who lives from age to age understands that we are frail, that we're frail both physically, we're frail spiritually, and we are frail emotionally. And you can see that in verse 14. Even a long human life is like a brief interval with God. Verse 15 and 16 describe how short human life on this earth truly is. As we look quickly, for it will soon be over, the unregenerate mind may look quickly in despair. What is life's purpose? That's the the whole crux of the book of Ecclesiastes. What is the purpose of life? What good is it? But the psalmist here answers the question. 
that the psalmist may wonder, but he lives in hope and not despair. After all, God's love lasts forever. You know, God loved us before we came along. He loves us now and he will love us after we're gone. And he'll love us and he'll love our families after us. He'll love the generations that will come. God's love will be the link from one generation to the next in verse 17 and 18. And after all, this is the Lord, the one whose throne is in heaven. He rules over all kingdoms. And the brevity of life really isn't a problem for God. It can be difficult to face the death of those we love. And we need not pretend that it doesn't matter. Death matters. And not only does death matter, but it often comes too quickly. And we know that it just doesn't seem like that's the way that things were intended. Yet, our hope is with the undying, eternal God who loves us. Before we were born, he loves us now. And he will love us as we join those who preceded us. We have the opportunity to be part of his unending kingdom. The mention of God's eternal heavenly throne draws the psalmist's attention and ours to those heavenly beings that attend God and obey his bidding perfectly. He then instructs them to praise the Lord as well. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? That as proper servants of his dominion, Finally, the psalm closes as it began. The circle is unbroken. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, or bless the Lord, O my soul. And in this, in this psalm, we find it repeatedly over and over to bless the Lord. At first, the writer addresses himself, bless the Lord. Later, he issues a similar call to God's angels, bless the Lord. His heavenly servants, to bless the Lord. Then again, to all who serve him, to bless the Lord. And finally, he returns the call back to himself, to bless the Lord, O my soul. And one of the interesting facets of this psalm is what we have called a psalm of praise in its purest sense. He's not asking God for anything. He's not seeking forgiveness for anything. He is simply praising God because he is overwhelmed by the majesty and awesomeness of who God is. No requests, no petitions. It just seems to be pure, heartfelt praise for God's grace. In the psalmist's life, in Israel's history, and in the world in general. So, what's the call to us today? To bless the Lord for his compassion and his everlasting love. How does it make you feel to know that God understands our frailty and has compassion on us? I think the only response is to bless the Lord. And even though these passages remind us of the brevity of life, why do believers have the great hope beyond this life? Well, we know that one day we will have the opportunity to spend eternity with this awesome, loving, and compassionate King, the God who reigns forever. And as a mighty chorus of all nations, we can sing, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Thank you for joining us in the Calvary Couples Podcast. I look forward to studying with you next time. And again, if you ever have any questions about anything regarding God's Word or knowing the Lord, I'd love for you to reach out. And I look forward to studying with you when we come back together. 